0: Most like broadcast.
1: We wanted to move slowly. We want the program to allow for breathing room.
0: We wanted to avoid the fatigue that often comes with the overwhelming sensation that a festival can leave you with.
1: And so that gave birth, as it were, to the form and expanding the festival over the course of the year. We're asking you to take responsibility as an audience, to watch these works energetically, to, to expend, expend your, energy. your energy,
0: and to think of new ways to be with the screen. We recognize that this can be tiring, as these things often are.
1: But we hope that it will be as rewarding an experience as it was for us to program the festival
0: and, and bring, bring this thinking, thinking to, to you. you.
2: The piece you have just heard is from the artist, educator, and writer Adam Ben and artist Taco Tal, and it's their introduction to this year's Artists Moving Image Festival from Lux Scotland and the international art space Tramway, which is in Glasgow. The Artists' Moving Image Festival was established in 2012 to provide a platform for the discussion and presentation of Artists' Moving Image, showcasing forms of production and research alongside screenings and discursive events. This year, the festival has been co-programmed by Taco and Adam and includes a series of screenings and events scheduled to follow the lunar calendar across the rest of 2021. The title for this year's festival is Give Birth to Me Tomorrow. More on that later. Kitty Anderson has been director of Lux Scotland since 2019. She was previously curator at the Common Guild in Glasgow where she commissioned and produced projects with a wide range of artists. In 2013, Kitty co-curated the Scottish presentation for the Venice Biennale with an exhibition by Duncan Campbell, Corrin Swarm and Haley Tompkins Campbell's presentation went on to win the Turner Prize in 2014 and you can find out more about Lux Scotland and how they support artists on the links from our website Before talking to Adam and Taco about the festival I asked Kitty about what artist's moving image looks like in Scotland in 2021
1: Into the Moth Light
2: we interviewed Marcus Jack from Trans Arts last year, um, maybe autumn last year, and we, we talked about his Dowser project and the work that he's doing to plot the history of artists moving image in Scotland. And we did have a really good chat about filmmakers and the spaces and, and works. What does artists moving image in, in Scotland look like in twenty twenty one? You know, what, what what's the scene at the moment?
3: um i think it's in great shape um i think uh the artists moving image scene is punching way above its weight i think um the the number of artists involved in major festivals and biennales and exhibitions both across the uk and internationally is quite incredible um we're um uh perhaps not one of the best funded organisations or sectors but actually i think the artists making work with us and through other organisations are really making incredible work, and the pandemic has had um, definitely had an, uh, an impact. It's taken its toll, but people are still making works. They're just sort of shifting the way that they're doing that, um, and the work is obviously continuing to be seen. That uh, there's all kinds of different platforms for screening the work and and reaching wider audiences.
2: So I have seen a number of pandemic-related works. Um, o- over the, the past year um, so do, do you identify how um, artists have worked in, in in a different way and they've obviously found new ways to exhibit the work rather than traditionally meeting in a, in a gallery or a cinema to, to share yeah. what they've made
3: yeah well I mean what was quite interesting is we actually launched round one of now and next um, just as we went into lockdown so that was the program that we do uh, we run with the BBC um creating short works for broadcast and we had to make sure that all the artists submitting proposals were able to make the work in lockdown which led to some really interesting responses some people who addressed it absolute you know front on and others who it didn't actually come into the work at all and they were able to make the works from their bedrooms or you know without leaving the house um so i think there's been the full range of works in terms of you know how the work itself has been impacted by by the pandemic um, and then yeah when you go on to sort of bigger commissions like the Margaret Tate Award um, obviously the the artist who received the award last year Emilia Beatriz um, who had planned to go to Puerto Rico as part of their um, production hasn't been able to do that and has had to completely revise um, how that work um, is made and and how it operates but has managed to do that and create something brilliant um, and it's still in production but to 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 do that. And then Andrew Black who is the recipient of this year's award then was in a totally different position and has has sort of basically proposed a work that they can make remotely. Um so we've got a sort of full spectrum of people uh taking on small projects and finding different ways to make them, you know, with with limited resources and then big projects and either having to tailor them to the new rest- sort of latest restrictions or indeed to actually sort of have that at the center of the work and make sure it's something that is is still possible when it comes to screening the works? Um, I guess everybody is still trying <laughs> every sort of possible option for how we can do that. And we started quite quickly trying to find a way of, of just screening works through Vimeo links. So in fact, we weren't sort of hosting them on a platform or anything like that; just making um, making them available to to people, and then having organizing discussion events so that it was about kind of com- keeping a community going, supporting the artists that were at the center of that. And then sort of as the year has progressed, we've worked with different festivals and tried all kinds of different platforms through them. And then something that we've introduced this year is the online exhibitions that are part of our own website, which is, of course, where AMIF um, is hosting the works. And also our One Artist, One Work programme has now also moved to an online exhibition so that the works are available for a longer period Um, and and, and I guess, you know, more available to a wider group of
2: people. That idea of... Maintaining a community over over a lockdown I think has been really important in, in the in the podcast in the past, we have talked to various artists about that community of interest and the opportunity to have that interaction with your peers so you know I think through some of the um the, the online events, certainly last year that's been successful and t- tell me a bit about how you have supported artists working in Scotland over the pandemic.
3: Well, I guess, yeah, the first thing when we when we came up with the idea of the One Artist, One Work, it was really like, how can we as quickly as possible start putting some money in the hands of the artists that we would like to be working with? So by asking them to do a talk um, and then trying to, well, we've now extended that to not just the, the talk, but there's an online screening and a piece of writing that accompanies the work. So, so extending that that invitation. Um, and then screening works with festivals where possible, then the, you know, the artists get the screening fees and things. So I guess it's been sort of, Uh, quite light touch to begin with and then I guess we're just now finding a way to structure uh, that work that we've been doing to make it make sense into the long term and I guess as we start to think about this becoming part of a sort of hybrid form of programming whilst we have online events and hopefully in-person events.
2: When we talked to Ben Cook from from Lux in in London in the last episode he talked about the Lux critical forums and Mm -hmm. I expect that there'll be a lot more People able to participate in in the online Scottish version that, that that you're running now. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's been that's been a real success actually because um, we relaunched the Glasgow Forum last year um, with the plan. the plan was that it was going to be in person at the CCA, and then obviously we took it online. We had such a great response to it, and then of course realised that it, there was no re- reason for it to be a Glasgow group. It could be an entirely Scotland-wide group. So that's uh, we introduced that at the beginning of this year, and it's been going really well. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think you know we're sort of half thinking: do we just carry on setting up different critical forums for different groups around the country, um, which just I guess creates some kind of um, sort of centre ground for them to meet, and um, and then allows them access to the collection as well, so they can view and discuss works there.
2: I think you hadn't really been in post that long at the time of the of the first lockdown, and you've certainly overcome lots of challenges to keep Lux Scotland active and up and running screening work supporting artists so what what what's your sort of big ambitions for the for the year ahead in terms of the direction of travel for Lux scotland
3: number one is is securing our uh, future financially um because uh, that's something we we've been on annual funding for the last five six years um and i think we really need to have longer term funding so that we can start planning um our work with artists more um more, yeah more in the long term um and then i think it is about you know the, the world has changed we've we've sort of shaken up everything we've been doing and it's kind of landed in a slightly different way and it's now trying to work out how we can put our work with artists at the center of um everything that we do and then let everything flow from that so i think um we've got our major projects obviously like the margaret tate award um now and next and the artist moving image festival but then all the other strands that come within that so the the one artist one work and all the discussions at online critical forums all of the learning work that we do just how it all fits together with artists at the top of that triangle um yeah just just looking at everything we do because we do an awful lot of work and just making sure it's all as useful as possible i
2: know that there was um talk and and certainly plans to develop A collection for Scotland. Mm -hmm. So, is is that collection started to 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 build? Are there works that we can call our own? Uh,
3: Not yet, not yet. It's still very much uh, something that we want to do. Um, But you can imagine, yeah, the financial challenges are basically um, the the issue. We are hoping to start some work on um, looking more closely again at what, like, how we would actually make this happen. uh, You know, how how we would start accessing works um, into the collection. Um, but yeah, it's a, a part of a big conversation, which I think um, at the moment has been put on a bit of a back burner, whilst we're just trying to find the funding to to, to kickstart those um, those conversations again.
1: Into the mothlight. Into the mothlight podcast. The title "Give Birth to Me Tomorrow" is taken from um a work by Curie Gion called Born, Born and Born Again, which is a film in the first programme that that launched the festival. It was a piece of work that we watched together at Cove Park when we were on a residency there for like a week in October of last year. Yeah, it was the first film that we watched together, like in that week that we were like doing the residency. From my side of it I was like, Yeah, you know, it'd been a long time in lockdown and had become, yeah, potentially like slightly fatigued with like online screenings and maybe had lost a little bit of faith or hope in moving image. I think this happens quite regularly for me is that like I become disillusioned. And then what is beautiful about that is that a work like Curie Gions will come along and you're just like, your faith is like restored or my faith was restored and so the, the title is is taken from. It's like one of the last lines in the film, and the work is like exploring exploring the English language and exploring this um, future perfect tense, and sort of goes through its iteration. And I think the line goes like, "When I'm, I will have been born tomorrow. No, I will have been born when you give birth to me tomorrow." And it was just I think it was something that really struck when we were thinking about what we wanted this program to do, the ways in which we wanted it to like operate, and the kind of, I guess maybe like the challenge that that kind of that statement sort of invokes, and by turning it into this kind of like imperative of like give give breath to me tomorrow," I think it was sort of encapsulated what these works like were trying to do yeah, the emotions that they were trying to like stir in an audience. And it felt like a very like apt time to sort of like start thinking quite urgently about the futures or futures.
2: What was it about the idea of curating the the, the festival this year that, that, that initially appealed to you? It's a really well respected and renowned annual festival. I, I imagine you know, you have the Uh, rich pickings in terms of the the, the Lux archive and and, and any other direction you want to go in. So what was that about this that you thought, I would really like to get involved and and put myself forward for this?
0: How we came to be involved, I think we'd both had dealings with Lux um, over, I guess, the previous year before we became fully involved in the Arts Movement Image Festival as programmers. Yeah, we'd both been involved in some programming and... I'd certainly got a lot out of the conversations, conversations that I'd managed to have around um, a programme that I made called Each Person Houses Parts of Others. And that was shown in Inverness and in Glasgow as part of Glasgow Film Theatre's Crossing the Line a strand of programming. And and then out of that, I was really grateful to be invited by Lux to, to programme along with Taco. And I think that was interesting. We've talked about it as like <laughs> this sort of like matchmaking, like because Taco and I didn't know each other really, like we knew of each other, seen each other across the room a few times, um, maybe had been introduced. Um, and then that really became the jumping off point for like months of like lockdown, long calls, and then eventually going on this residency in Cove. So it's really interesting that you asked before about what came first. Was it the work or this idea around the title? And, and really my first instinct was to say it was a work but I actually i realized by the time we came to sit down together we had such a long period to to build some kind of like collaboration and the response that i think we had to the work was really colored by like having these really high expectations of what we wanted from what was going to be included in this festival like it was really rigorous like i think in some ways that you know we kind of went from this long long list to like a very tight shortlist of what we want to be in the festival and i think it is it comes from that kind of dual feeling of like sometimes feeling fatigued and like questioning like certain works or certain practices or or trends of moving image but at the same time finding these really beautiful shining moments of the possibility of what Can be done with the form.
2: I think I've got a really good idea of, as an artist filmmaker, what you can achieve being um, a residential like Cove Park and how that might impact your practice and maybe work that you produce at that location. But how did being uh, in a kind of residential setting inform your approach to the work that you chose, without the the distractions of daily life and and just the the opportunity to purely focus on the tasks at hand?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, being on a residency in this, like, in this year or this past, yeah, whatever, the moment that we're still currently in, for Adam and I working collaboratively, it just meant that we could spend time together in a shared space, like, be bodies in a room, (laughs) be present. So that kind of, first and foremost, was, like, a major kind of... Yeah, I think the energy really changes. And also... um, It was kind of one of the first opportunities we had to watch some of these works on a projector and kind of in that kind of more what alludes to like a cinematic setting which I guess is kind of ironic now because (laughs) these are all existing online but I think like being able to see like the scale of these works and how how they physically take up space in, in that kind of projected sense in a sonic sense as well. Really. Yeah. It does make a difference in, in, in what you begin to see in the small details that like kind of like strike your heart or something. And yeah, I guess residencies for me are always just about like rest as well, (laughs) like in, in a very genuine way. And I think especially at this, this time in October, it was the first time that I had been alone in a room by myself, like, for a very long time. And so it was a very, like, reflective time, also a bit of a, like, kind of scary time in that I'd forgotten how to, <laughs> how to handle myself and my thoughts. <laughs> and it took, like, some adjusting. But yeah, there's something. There was something about being in like the like stunning, like very cinematic landscape of Cove Park, and then turning like our focus inwards to these like, um, yeah, to quite a range of films that we watched while we were there.
2: What was the starting point for the program? Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's an open call for this festival. So you were starting with a, a clean slate. So how, how does a, a duo of programmers start to um, put themes and ideas down in paper and, and build around that?
0: As much as it was a clean slate, the invitation was very much also that we could program around our interests and that it would be something that could be useful for us as artists and researchers that it, it would, yeah, that I yeah so it wasn't as clean as you might think. I think, yeah, the sense was that, um, yeah, we can kind of bring all our own, I guess, like baggage um, to it. Um, and I think that's really kind of where we kind of both began. And, but it was a really interesting journey in that respect because I think we sensed and kind of like enunciating and kind of putting together some copy, I guess, um, around what we were doing at the very start. The the initial idea was that we would program in parallel, that, that there was maybe ways that our interests, you know, reflected off one another at points. But um I think we were initially really hesitant to try and like collapse one into the other in a way that felt like maybe like an enforced solidarity and like maybe like kind of a facing or like a raising just ways that we were distinct, um, Taco and I. Um but I think over the over the course of it, it kind of became something a bit different. I guess it, it it kind of became something that wasn't just kind of going to like be a vessel for things we were bringing to it. But and I think it was actually in Cove that that initial proposal for how we would we would structure the festival and our, our own contributions to it, it it already shifted by the time we noticed that we'd realised we were programmed together rather than in, in parallel and. And we're just like, oh, well, let's just run with this. And then that's that's the way it went since then. Um, so I guess that uh, that is the kind of like the arc of it, um, which was initially coming to it as two quite distinctive practitioners with some points of overlap in our work or, or what we were interested in pursuing, but really recognising so much distinction. But then actually both kind of working on this yeah opportunity to programme, suddenly it felt like we could work on it. Together, without being yeah, becoming the Wonder Twins.
1: Yeah, I guess listening to you speak, Adam, I just thinking about um trust mostly, and I think that's something we did kind of like we moved from the spaces of like conversation. I think, we, and when I think about like what I was looking at, I couldn't tell you specifically. I don't think I don't think I had an agenda, and I think actually that was one of the things that we began with is that yeah the ways in which we were putting this program together wasn't to do that or wasn't to fit it around a theme I think we had a lot of conversations about thematics and the frustrations in which when programs try and like create a cohesion across works you know there are of course (laughs) themes within this but I think that was not like the way we were quite adamant to not try and think about initially thinking about works around a certain moment and then yeah I think this thing about trust in that I think we had conversations about as being two programmers who are distinct who haven't worked together before yeah I think I did say to you Adam I was like I don't I'm not going to veto like anything and so it was like that there are works in there I mean, I yeah, there aren't actually works in there that I don't <laughs> enjoy, but I think that as like as as a principle for working together felt like also really
2: important so you've obviously gained so much as part of this experience and. At time of recording, we've got programmes to look forward to in in April and June. So a, a lot of the the fun, from an audience point of view, is, is still to happen. But for people that listen to this podcast that are interested in the art of being a programmer, um, what would you recommend is is the starting point, just to to, to dip your toes in the water and start to select. Work and, and have it shown. Um,
0: I was going to say that in the process of programming this, in a really nice way, um, so Emmy McCluskey um, and uh, Kimberly O'Neill? Is that, yeah, Kimberly O'Neill and Emma Abbasio were the programmers for the previous AMIF Two Hours. And kind of in the starting stages of first thinking about how to do this, um, they gave a talk on doing it themselves and then at one point I think it was Amy that just said something that really carried through for me which was just trust that like if something like means enough to you and is like enough interest and like has enough charge like don't try and second guess it and be like okay but like as an audience gonna like this like I think yeah really just having some confidence in that and and I think that became a real like guiding light for me throughout which was and I guess that what of yeah means to, like if if you're going to be invited as a programmer to like trust that your contribution and like the way that your mind magnetically attracts to some ideas or some organizings of works that that's valid and to like really indulge that and I'll always like not to just like yeah give yourself total free reign and, and not reflect, but I really felt like that was a really useful piece of advice
2: for me at least. Mm, that that is good advice, and I think we all know. Um, as, as programmers and screeners, when you get that feeling in your gut, when you're watching a work for the for the first time, you, you learn to, again, just go with that gut feeling. If, if you feel it physically and it moves you that way, it's possibly going to be the kind of work that you will end up exhibiting somewhere. And what about you, Taco? What, what's your advice to any um, potential programmers?
1: I guess I was thinking about the scales of programming and that, like, yeah, if I think about it, I guess the first kind of like programming I did was when I was a student at university, art school in Aberdeen, and I began a collective, <laughs> which was under my desires to basically have like a film crew. <laughs> it didn't work out like that. What it did become was this kind of um, like a publishing collective, and we started um, zines and we ran like events and had like music nights and things. But that we had like £500. Do you know we went and got some funding like and at the moment that felt like really huge and I guess I was just thinking about the opportunity that potentially like working online like gives is that it, it really opens up spaces I guess that's sort of one of maybe the things that you think about first when you think about programming is that it needs a site it needs a location it needs to go somewhere like if I want to ask people to work with me if I want to show things yeah it can become a little bit more open in that you don't need to get that phone call from Lux scotland to be like hey there are ways in which you could do it much more on your own yeah i think that that would be my advice is that the scale of it can be what you make it you don't need to wait for for the cinema to be open again into the moth light
0: Into the a most most
1: light light podcast. Podcast.
0: The film that I would like to share at the moment is part of the upcoming episodes. Of give birth to me tomorrow, um, and it is Christian Noel Charles's the BB and this was a work that I was really struck by, um, while I was writing a long essay about uh, Christian Charles's work. For me, it was it was the most visually complicated work that she'd made today, and it felt like it gathered so many. Really exciting parts of performances that I'd seen by uh, CC, I call Christian Noel Charles CC, and it felt like it was taking her practice to this surprising place that, that nevertheless felt like all the threads of which had been present in the works that she was making already through printmaking or performances I'd seen or videos of performances I'd seen or video works.
1: I was told by a story by my uncle.
3: He was telling me what I was like as a child. He told me that
0: he said one thing about my grandfather that was really interesting. He said to me, you always looked at the mirror. Yeah, I always have. But (laughs) he said, when you looked at the mirror when you were a baby when you were a baby, you were crying. You were crying about something, I don't remember what it was. But instead of just sitting there, you looked yourself back in the mirror at the couch crying. In the first few minutes, there's this anecdote that Cece tells about being a young kid and I think an uncle saying, It was always so strange because you would cry, but like when you cried, you would go over to the mirror and you'd look at yourself crying. It was as if you were like feeding off the energy of you seeing the tears and seeing yourself in hysterics. And then after that anecdote, the, the sound shifts and it's more deconstructed and you get almost like these samples of exclamations and vernacular, and particular phrases that reoccur. And I think there's one that's and it's, it's CC saying like, like girly, girl, 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 girl. And and then she says it like in this kind of repeated way and, and it becomes strange and it also like becomes really musical and melephalous. Girly, girl, girly, girlness. It, it, it was all kind of located in this installation. that was in Tramway, uh, the gallery in Glasgow of Nick Cave's work. And there's these like shining cup metal spinning shapes that, that there are just thousands of them, tens of thousands of them maybe. Um, and they're really carefully filmed and then collaged and overlaid with like some images, some parts of a, a performance that CC did in response to the exhibition. But it really is a work in its own right. But it's such a nice way that it kind of like unfolds into this practice. There's just a lot of wisdom in it. And like, I think it was starting to kind of just sense like, oh, like this is the next season of CC, and I'm like, so glad to see it, you know? And yeah, and so I guess I just really wanted to include that and just shout about it.
2: Hey, baby,
1: hello, baby, how you doing, baby? One of the works that particularly struck a chord was Stand Together, which is a documentary by the Newsreel Collective. And it was made in nineteen seventy-seven. It's a documentary that documents a day of mass solidarity on a labour dispute at the photographic film processing plant at Grumwick. And it was a particularly um, important like moment of history because yeah, it kind of like documents the end of like union movements and the the Labour movement was about the right to join a union. I came through that work through a book by Lolo Femi, which is a, called Feminism Interrupted. Yeah, it was something that I was reading like, for my practice, but that kind of moment thinking about like workers' rights and trade unions like in the 1970s isn't something that I would have naturally come across in my own practice, if you'd have asked me this a year ago what my interests were, I wouldn't have pointed to that. It was something that felt really really important in the way in which the like the film was made, in that it was made by a yeah, a, a union, a collective of of workers. And the material itself, like looking back to the archive, it is kind of creating this very like it is a doc it's a documentary is creating this kind of like record of this day. It felt like it spoke to a lot of the ways in which filmmakers now are working working with the moving image and and ways of working, like ways of unionizing, ways of like thinking about labor, the labor of filmmaking. So what really struck me about the film was the I guess the immediacy of it. There's something very fascinating about the form of it. It's shot over one day. It is almost chronological in its approach to making the work. It kind of starts at like four in the morning and then you end in the afternoon. And there's something about the energy that it captures of that moment. And I think specifically in the case of Grunwick, which was an unsuccessful labour dispute, there's something about the way in which you don't, you aren't privy to that history in this work, it's not a retrospective. You're not looking at it with hindsight, and so there's something like really poignant about it when you're viewing this piece of work. Into the mothlight. Into the mothlight podcast.